On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We're finally here. Yun Wu-Ping and Jackie Chan unite for the first time for the kung fu comedy Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. And nothing will ever be the same. Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a chronological look at the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I feel like you've called me the world's deadliest man before. Yeah, every episode, in fact, Liam. And in fact, you've also may acknowledged it several times that I've asked, I've, I've referred to you as that several times. And I've, every time I say, yes, on this show, that's what I call you, the world's deadliest man. It's weird. I just, you know, I just forgot that you lacked creativity and couldn't come up with something new. But that's fine. Yeah. We can just keep going. It's all right. It's it's nice. It's <laughs> I like to provide structure. <laughs> Liam, we're here today to talk about martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. Oh, uh, we yeah, we are eleven episodes, I believe, into this podcast. Jesus. Uh, and it's uh, it's taken us a while to get here. It, it, to be totally honest with you, Liam, we could have added more. Movies, I know, I know. Uh, ones that we have not yet covered, ones that feature Jackie Chan in very, very small appearances or as a child, things like that. We'll get to them eventually, Liam, uh, <laughs> if I can convince you to watch them. But a maybe lot we'll of do, maybe we'll do like a wrap up episode where we're like, we're going to talk about multiple movies that Jackie Chan is in for minutes. Maybe, maybe we will do that. But a lot of what we've been doing so far, in fact, everything we've been doing so far was to get to this point. And I don't want to overstate it too much, but it's really, this is the the kind of stepping point between Jackie Chan, uh, you know, working actor in unsuccessful movies to on his way to being a global superstar. And that movie that, that, that a lot of people think that the movie that did it was Drunken Master, but really it was Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. But the fact is, if you've watched Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, or if you watched Drunken Master... They're both different movies, but they're extremely similar. They have a lot of the same cast. They have a lot, you know, the same director. They have a lot of the same sort of action. Jackie Chan is playing a similar character in both of them. It's really the one-two punch of Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master that's going to launch Jackie Chan as an actor. And this is it. We are finally here. How excited are you about that, Liam? I mean, look, let's be clear. There's still some garbage that we're going to be watching uh, sure. over the next five episodes or so. But but we have finally reached the kind of breaking point. Does it feel anticlimactic at this point? No, not at all. I mean, I the it is a little bit in that this is a movie I've seen, so right. I'm returning to something that I'm I'm interested in. But uh, looking at the, sort of the next five movies, there's still stuff that I haven't seen, and you know, even if people want to say that his more classic period is actually further into the 80s when he's doing more things set in contemporary time, even some of those movies I haven't caught. Like, I I think there's a lot of people like myself who are casual Jackie Chan fans who think that we are Jackie Chan experts because Mm -hmm. we know more than someone who's seen just, like, his American movies. You know what I mean? But there's a lot. There's still a lot, you know, that, that, that didn't break through or maybe wasn't as widely promoted in the U.S. And so I'm all I can think about is all the films I'm going to get to watch that 
otherwise I might not have made time to see. And even the ones that are very familiar to me, like if we get to what, well, not if, when we get to like first strike <laughs> or, sure. uh, you know, armor of the gods or whatever it is, the fact that I've seen it a few times, isn't going to make it less fun to talk about. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I am worried that there's a, there's, there is a period in the eighties where he does do some U S stuff that I've seen mm-hmm. that I don't think is very good. And that stuff, it, the only negative thing there is it seems like a down point in the midst of so many high points that I'm worried I'm going to be tougher on those things than I, you know what I mean? Like I was expecting not to love these first 11 movies or so we've talked about uh, what happens when we're really stoked on so many awesome movies and then a stinker comes along. I'm worried we're going to be a little too harsh because of the comparison. Maybe, but I do think that the stories around those films are interesting enough to carry sure. it through. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're yeah. talking. There's actually several different stages of what you're talking about. There's going to be uh, the big brawl, which comes up, I believe, in, yep. in 1980 yeah. or 81, uh, and then that also leads into Cannonball Run, which we also are going to watch. Liam, Cannonball Run. Um, uh. Later, later in the 80s, we're going to watch The Protector, which was his kind of big attempt to break through uh, with the uh, James Glickenhaus. Um, and those are interesting movies, actually. And there's two cuts of The Protector that we can uh, watch as well. And then, of course, uh, the, the next kind of breakthrough will happen will be the real breakthrough with Rumble in the Bronx. But that's not until the uh, the like 1994 or so. So there's a lot of, of road to travel, especially because at this point in Jackie Chan's career, he's making like five and six movies every year. Uh, even In fact, I have a list here of the movies that we're going to be covering on upcoming episodes, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about them quickly before we jump into this movie in particular, Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Because, like I said, it's not just classic upon classic for us over the next few episodes, because there's still this adjustment period. He's going to make these movies back to back, and then he has to go back to low way and, you know, make those kind of movies again. But you'll also see the kind of adjustment to the formula with the success of this movie and Drunken Master that's going to change his career forever. So on the next episode, we're going to be talking about, as I've already said, Drunken Master, which I'm guessing you're pretty excited about us talking about. I would say the first full-fledged, unequivocal Jackie Chan classic. Love it. Love it. I mean, yeah. Even though I'm familiar with it, I'm still excited to talk about it. It's probably the movie that Jackie Chan has made that I've seen most that isn't Drunken Master 2, uh, so it's one I'm I'm probably exceedingly familiar with. Then we're going to follow that up with 1978's Spiritual Kung Fu. Have you ever seen that one, Liam? No, and, and, and I'm very excited to check it out because I've been told it's good, but I've never made time for it. Then we have 1978's Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, which I've seen, uh, but it's been many, many years. Uh, and also, I saw it in like a you know a full screen dubbed awful copy um, that that got released in the uh, the mid nineties. Any familiarity with that one for you? No. The, I think the title is more well known than the actual movie. It's um, weird. I didn't know anything about it. And then we have a movie that I've never heard of called Two in Black Belt, which features a cameo from Jackie Chan. I, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can find about that when we get there. And then that leads into 1979, the first movie of 1979, which is The Fearless Hyena, which is a movie I have a lot of affection for. Uh, and I, it was actually... So in, say, 1993, 1994, when Jackie Chan was breaking through in the U.S., Rumble of the Bronx came out, I think, in 94... Uh, you know, my brothers and I were like, okay, Jackie Chan's terrific. Everyone's talking about him. Let's go find his movies, you know, at the video store. And we went to a blockbuster to try to find some. And of course, it was slim pickings, especially where I grew up. But one movie that they did have was The Fearless Hyena. 
And in that movie, at least, we were like, oh, he was great even back then. I can see what's so good about him. I know yeah. it's not listed with his classics, but it's a movie that I have a lot of... Uh, it basically is a movie that seems to be imitating the formula that's created by uh, Snake and the Eagle's Shadow and Dragon Master. And, we'll, <laughs> and that'll become a very common thing, too. Not just in Jackie Chan movies, but basically... You know, we're going to see the at this point the rise of Yun Biao and Sammo Hung and you know all those other actors that are trying to imitate Jackie Chan. I'm not saying those two in particular are. I just mean that there are imitators of Jackie Chan that come out around this period, and all their movies uh, follow a very similar formula to this one. And in fact, you could say that that formula traveled to the United States because a movie like The Karate Kid is basically the same formula as this, right? An old master who is kind of unassuming, who teaches a a, a, ch- a kid who's getting beat up. To you know, to use martial arts, but not to use it uh, except in extreme circumstances. The formula is something that's going to be basically uh, a pattern for thousands of martial arts movies over the next decade. It is, uh, but it's it's one that for me has a lot of uh, legs on it. Like it's you know, there are certain tropes that you see it again, and you're like, oh my god, this thing. You know what I mean? Like, sure, I, for whatever reason, it and. This is maybe something we're going to talk about with Jackie Chan now that we're watching so many of his movies over and over again. He plays a lot of similar characters, right? Like, yeah. He's always the new guy who's stupid or the guy who's jaded because he hasn't gotten the success he deserves or, you know what I mean? Like, there's just certain, like, tropes he goes through that maybe we're going to start to find that repetitive and frustrating. For me right now, there is none of those that I'm like, oh, not this again. Like, I'm, every time I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, I'm excited. You know what I mean? So I I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because we'll be paying so much attention that those will start to get old for me. But right now, I'm only excited. And also, just because it's a formula, it doesn't make it bad. I mean, sure, there are, yeah. it's a great formula. It's one that you, you basically learn along with the person. The only thing that gives me any hesitancy about that formula is I like to watch Jackie Chan kicking ass. You know what I mean? Right, like, yes. And in more of his uh, like late 80s and early 90s and throughout the 90s movies, he's, he, he that formula changes a little bit, right? Because he's such a recognizable figure that usually at the beginning of the movie – He's already a guy that loves kung fu, but just is really and is great at it, but is like hesitant to do it. And then he, he you know, he's put in these circumstances where he has to do it. Right. In, in these movies, or you know, I, or sometimes he's someone who's really good at kung fu, but is bad at everything else. Exactly. So he right. just goes through life screwing everything else up, and then someone tries to beat him up and learns that that was a bad idea. <laughs> so in a movie like this one, and and really in a lot of the the ones over the next uh, few months. You know, we have half a movie where he's learning kung fu, and then half a movie where he's able to use those skills. At least in this movie, it's kind of uh, weighted very heavily. A lot of the fights are in the second half of the movie instead. Thankfully, they give them give us quite a few of them. But if you want to see Jackie Chan kind of have a fight with someone that he's on an even keel with, you usually have to wait till the end of the movie to see that. Right, that's fair. Yeah. So I have a few quotes here, Liam, from uh, a few books uh, relating to Jackie Chan, including his two autobiographies, starting first with Never Grow Up. This is about how this movie came about. You're probably thinking, how many times can this guy fail before he has a success? Believe me, I was thinking the same thing every minute of every day. I'd already been to hell and back as a martial artist, fight director, and actor, and I still hadn't made a name for myself. I was having a rough time under contract with Lo Wei, starring in film after film I didn't want to make. I could clearly see the problems with them, but no one wanted to listen to what I had to say. I wasn't allowed to challenge the producers and directors or helm any films myself. Then one day, the independent film producer, Mr. Ng C. Yun, came to see me and said he wanted to borrow me from Lo Wei to make a new movie. 
As far as I was concerned, working with a new producer could be a chance to break out of the low-way formula and get a fresh start. If you had a choice, what sort of movie would you make, he asked frankly. I didn't answer right away. Every producer in the past had told me that my opinion was worthless and that I should listen quietly to my elders. After a pause, I said, Mr. Ng, right now everyone's trying to turn me into the next Bruce Lee and I've been forced to go along with it, but it will never work. He's a legend and no one could ever surpass him. So why don't we go down an entirely different path? I could tell that Mr. Ng agreed with me. I stood up to help explain what I meant with movement and expression. Bruce Lee always kicked high, but I keep my legs low to the ground. Bruce Lee would scream and roar while fighting in order to demonstrate his power and rage, but I prefer to cry out and pull faces to show how much pain I'm in. Bruce Lee is superhuman in the audience's eyes, but I just want to be a regular guy. I want to play ordinary, flawed people who sometimes despair. They aren't heroes. There are things they can't do. When my little performance was done, Mr. Ng came over and shook my hand. You're absolutely right. That's the sort of film we'll make. In that spirit, I entered into a collaboration with Ng Si Yoon. In quick succession, we made Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master... Both these films were hugely successful and even surpassed Bruce Lee's numbers. Just like that, I was no longer box office poison. After all those years of failure, seemingly overnight, I was a hit. So that's from Jackie Chan's uh, biography, Never Grow Up, that came out a few years back. It's a very shortened version of what he goes into a lot more detail in his earlier biography, I Am Jackie Chan. But what do you think about that story? I mean, we've talked a little bit on this podcast, Liam, about this idea of, of someone trying to make him the new Bruce Lee. Obviously, we've seen that in a few films like New Fist of Fury, but he's done a lot of different kind of roles at this point. But I think it's safe to say that none of those roles are very close to what we see in Snake and the Eagle's Shadow. Well, yeah, there's no moment in Snake and Eagle's Shadow where he overcomes simply because he is the grittiest, toughest, strong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. In the end, he watches a cat supposedly kill a cobra, which we can talk about that. <laughs> we will. Uh, but uh, supposedly, he just he gets insight. Right? He looks mm-hmm. at something in nature, and this is to be fair, he didn't invent this idea per se. There's sure. a lot of martial arts films where someone sees something in nature and goes, "What if I did that?" You know. But what he adds to it is how ridiculous it is when he is acting like a cat it doesn't matter that he's <laughs> kicking butt it's funny it's funny to see jackie chan jump through the air and there'd be a cat noise like <laughs> it's clearly humorous and you could straight up say that no matter what happens bruce lee would never do that it's one exactly. of the few times exactly it's maybe the first time in his career that he's doing something where you go, well, Bruce Lee would never fucking do that. That's for damn sure, you know? And so, like, that I, – I think that establishes it. And and plus the overall tone of the, the movie, right? The movie is a comedy of errors. Again, not probably not the first one, but maybe the first sort of full comedy of errors that we've seen him be himself in in any way. And I think there's a charm there that isn't in – much of his earlier work, though I wouldn't say it's completely absent from all of his earlier work. Yeah, exactly. We've seen hints out of it before, but I think that's a really interesting point. You would never have Bruce Lee play this character anyway, even at the beginning. Someone who's like being kicked around and treated like a dog, right? Who has to wipe the floors and being embarrassed and beat up constantly. This is about as far away from the character of Bruce Lee as possible, and I think that's really the key. And also the the idea of the the person who has nothing built up into a martial arts Superman. I think that is the key to people's interest in this these sort of roles because it makes them feel more like like when you watch Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon or Fist of Fury like I watch him it's like I can't be him I could never be that person look at him even at the beginning he is almost beyond what humans could possibly be in this movie you're like 
This is a person who has nothing. He's given instruction. He has to do this unbelievable training, uh, in, in sometimes really kind of a ridiculous, comical style training, but training all the same, and then build themselves up into being this this thing. And I think the work is what uh, is what makes a lot of these movies interesting. And of course, those training sequences will become almost a cliche uh, in, in in the hundreds of features that are to come. Do you like those kind of things, by the way? Those training sequences in a lot of these movies. I do. I do think for the sake of storytelling um oftentimes they can be truncated in a way that makes them feel ridiculous so that sure. when, when the guy's suddenly a kung fu master you're like come on he did like 50 push-ups and a couple of turns you know he's <laughs> he smacked at a water bowl for a while why is he suddenly but but sometimes certain directors have used them as a way to reveal something about what the movie's about so like i realize that all of the kung fu insights in all of these movies are made up Right. Sure. No one who made these movies is actually like, no, really, if you slap a bowl of water, you'll get better at Tai Chi. <laughs> like, that's not a real thing. But in within the universe of your movie, there's a way to make that montage tell something that's important about your world. Like, the, he's better at claw grappling, so now he can grab whoever. Or sure. he's better at fluid movement so people can't hit him or whatever the fuck it is. As long as that montage tells a story – I think it would be interesting if those montages also tell a story about the character. But a lot of times in these movies, again, this is one of the things that maybe sets Jackie Chan apart. He's more likely to have his character, who's goofy, who's a caricature, but something about the nature of his character matters for the movie. In a lot of these movies, the character doesn't matter. It's just the fact that he's good at the claw fist or the fucking double jump that he wins or she wins uh, and not like their honor or their humor or their intelligence, like who they are as a person, not always, but often isn't highlighted as an important part of the narrative. Right, right, absolutely. And and one of the things that's actually interesting about this movie is that early on we get a sense that his character is creative. The part where he's given sort of the dance steps to uh, to learn the the movements of the martial arts, which is kind of a notable thing about this film. Yeah, he does true. it, and then it cuts to him doing it in a very kind of acrobatic way the suggestion is that he had a lot of these physical and mental skills already that were just never being taken advantage of and i think that that there's an aspect that you know it takes a lot of practice but there's also some natural talent involved with a lot of it and that creativity has to come into play later where he has to come up with his own martial arts style in order to combat something which is again something we'll see in a lot of these films now uh, yes please it also becomes something about the master, right? Like that everyone around, even his old master, who he loves and who's clearly more honorable than the people who've been running his school in uh-huh. his absence, he still doesn't respect Jackie Chan because he didn't see in Jackie Chan this potential. Exactly. What sets the old master apart is he saw this kid and was like, this kid's tough. Like, why don't we have this kid? You know what I mean? Like, this is the guy who should be learning the snake fist. If you notice, he hasn't tried to teach snake fist to anyone else the whole movie. Yeah. There's something in Jackie Chan. I think there's something about that, too, that, like, being able to see the possibility in someone who seems like a loser is right. actually a theme in Jackie Chan movies. And, and and also helpful in the fact that the, the the old master in this case is seen as a loser himself by people who right. don't know anything about him, right? That he looks like a homeless person, that he looks like he, he couldn't offer anything. So you have kind of two outcasts of society meeting up and, and gaining strength from that. Agreed. So you might wonder, Liam, how Yun Wu-Ping kind of works into all of this. So I'm going to give kind of the Coles Notes version of it very quickly. So you have this producer that we were just talking about, Ung Si Yun, who runs a company called Seasonal Films, which at this point was not a very successful film company. And Yun Wu-Ping 
was a member of a family um, who were all trained in martial arts. Their father is actually plays that master. We'll talk about that in just a little bit in the movie. And also, he was a, a very well-known actor. He appears in 36 Chamber of Shaolin and lots of Shaw Brothers movies up, up to that time period. So Shaw Brothers was the big studio at the time. Seasonal films was not that big. Yun Wu Ping, his brother, was a choreographer and a fight director on martial arts movies and actually was a fight director on one of Jackie Chan's earlier movies where he just had a very small part. And he remembered him and recommended him to his brother, Yun Wu Ping. And they knew that they were going to be working together on films for seasonal films. At the time, they wanted to hire Jackie for Game of Death 2. Now, Game of Death 2 would later be made. Uh, Yoon Byo actually uh, does a bunch of uh, stunt work in that movie. But um, anyone who knows anything about Game of Death, it's the movie that Bruce Lee died when he was making it. And they ended up finishing it with a bunch of um, doubles and, and extra footage and cuts. And it's just a big mess of a movie. Game of Death 2 does the same sort of thing. And it's also a bit of a mess, but it's a very entertaining mess. I showed it at a, a screening for for Cinepunks uh, a couple years back. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. It's a lot of fun, but it's also a bizarre movie. Hard to think about Jackie Chan in that, but that's what they originally wanted him to do. But Yun Wu Ping, who had already been working in, in the kind of creative field at that point, but had not directed yet, he was going to be directing a movie. They had something ready to go. Jackie Chan was someone that he was interested in. He knew that he had those skills. He had recommendations from his brothers. And so that is what led to the meeting with uh, Ung Si Yun, who basically was kind of confirming what Yun Wu Ping already knew, which is that Jackie Chan has potential. Because that, that thought, that belief that Jackie Chan was box office poison, apparently that was a very common belief at the time. His movies just weren't successful. He had made at this point, well, we've covered 10 of them. And he just has not found success. So he probably kind of was thought of had kind of like a black mark on him. So trying to do something with him, it was it was an uphill battle. But uh, but these conversations happened. And I guess they I mean, it wasn't this huge, huge risk, right? This isn't exactly a gigantic budgeted movie. And it doesn't look that different than a lot of the movies that we've uh, seen so far. But you can tell when you're watching it that something is different. You can tell from the 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 action in it. You can tell by the story. It just feels more complete than the movies that we've been watching so far. Would you agree with that, Liam? Yes, one hundred percent. It feels um, well. You know what I'll say is that it it, it feels uh, more polished. It feels. Uh, I, I I don't know if I would say it's a bigger budget because you know in this country it's likely for us to say it feels Hollywood. And that's not sure. fair mm -hmm. in this world because, you know, the Shaw brothers were the Hollywood of this world, really. And some of their movies felt very cheap by comparison because they, sometimes they just put stuff out because they could and they had the, the ability. So I don't know what the comparison is, but it compared to some of the things we've seen him in till now, it, it, it feels like something that... Uh, was put together more complete in the script as well as in the execution uh, in front of the camera. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, there's also an element that we're bringing with us, which is we know that this movie was was a big success, so we're looking for reasons why that success happened. So just to give it a little bit more insight to what I was just saying, the other thing about Yoon Wu Ping is that he went to the same opera school that uh, Jackie Chan went to, and, and Yoon Wu Ping's father was a teacher at that school, so there's obviously already a lot of connections there that he would have had a lot of um, insight into what Jackie Chan had had been trained in. Now, Yun Chang Yun, who is um, Yun Wu Ping's brother, 
Uh, I mentioned that he was a fight, uh, fight choreographer. The film that he worked on that Jackie Chan was in was called Eagle Shadow Fist, which only features Jackie Chan in a very small part. But apparently that was enough to kind of gain that insight. So you had this kind of family affair where you have the Yuns who um, knew Jackie Chan peripherally, were all being involved in this movie in some way, not every member, but you have the uh, Yun Wu Ping directing, you have his brother doing the fight choreography, you have his father as one of the lead actors in it, and they wanted to have someone in there that they knew and that they could trust, and Jackie Chan was the right person for it. And that created this formula that they were like, okay, you know, you have a young, hungry director who wanted to prove himself. You have a lot of people who, who are comfortable with one another uh, and would, would do a lot of great things in the in the uh, history of martial arts films. We'll be seeing a lot more Yun Wu-Ping before we're all said and done here. And that created a situation where Snake in the Eagle Shadow could come about. And uh, Liam, I'm excited. I want to take our break. I want to talk about this movie in some detail. There's so much that's interesting and unique about it. Let's take a little break. When we come back, we're talking about Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. My eagle claw is dedicated to wiping out the whole snake fist style. Hi, Chung King. Where is he? You will find him. Oh, that old man. He attacked us. And he's got a snake. Snake? Are you all right? You'd like to learn Kung Fu? Oh, sure. Then I wouldn't be bullied. Well, this is the snake fish style. Mm. Can't escape from me now. Stop fighting! The Lord Jesus says if you're struck on your right cheek, you offer your left. An orphan who's been raised at a kung fu school where he's treated as little more than a practice target for the students has a life-changing experience after helping an old beggar. It's Snake in the Eagle's Shadow from 1978, uh, also known as Bruce versus Snake in Eagle's Shadow, uh, Snake's <laughs> Fist, Cat's Paw, Snakey Monkey, Eagle's Shadow, and I'm sure there's some other titles out there as well. Described in Jackie Chan's book, I Am Jackie Chan, he says... I play a poor boy who works at a kung fu school. My only friend is my pet cat. I don't know any kung fu myself, but that doesn't stop the guys at the school from trying out their moves on me. One day, I come to the rescue of an old man who was being bullied by the mean-spirited students of the rival Eagle Claw School. It turns out he is the last living master of the snake fist style, and he agrees to be my teacher. Unfortunately, the evil Eagle Claw Master is on a mission to wipe out the snake fist style, and he plans on killing both myself and my master. Eventually, I use Snake Fist, combined with tricks learned from watching my pet cat, to destroy him. The movie was my first big hit. At this point, Lo Wei had directed me in so many flops that he had just about lost all faith in me ever becoming the star he had hoped. He loaned me out to seasonal films, glad just to be rid of me for a while. My favorite line in the movie comes when I'm using my newly learned Snake Fist against my opponent. I'm a poisonous snake, I shout, and then give him a quick punch to the groin. That's called finding the snake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, snake and Eagle Shadow was released in Hong Kong on the 1st of March, 1978. Of course, directed by Yun Wu Ping, uh, written, written by Ung Si Yun, uh, Choi Gai Kwong, and Chai Chi Kwang. Uh, apologies for all that uh, the, the pronunciation there. Starring Jackie Chan. Some other familiar uh, faces in here, including Huang Zheng Li, uh, the late Jean Shek, and Roy Horan. We'll talk about those a little bit later as well, but I want to get right to the movie itself liam snake in the eagle shadow it's jackie chan's breakthrough what do you think so good man i mean look <clears throat> i i understand there are going to be people who listen to this show 
for whom Jackie Chan starts with Rumble in the Bronx. Like, yes. that's going to be a kind of Jackie Chan fan. I'm not going to shame those people. Like, I get it. But for me, this era is also awesome. Granted, we're not getting some of the quippiness or some of the true slapstick that he pulls off in later films. Sure. But I love kung fu movies. Those uh, That is a good equation in and of itself. We're going to watch a kung fu movie that is entertaining for an hour and 45 minutes. That in and of itself is a, is a golden find to me. Like, that's something I'm going to enjoy. And then there's just something about Jackie Chan. He still is so fun in this. He's still, he's good. Like, he really manages to find this character who is a clown that we want to laugh at. Sure. But we all also respect like there's a certain respect there of like okay he's figuring it out you know and he surprises everyone because he's able to come up with his own utterly ridiculous style uh that i really like i all that is fun now i will say um i'm always confused by this thing where every style has to murder the other styles (laughs) i don't i don't know i don't get why the eagle's claw has to kill the snake fist i still don't get it uh you know i didn't get it when i first saw the movie it's fine and there might be other stuff going on as well there that doesn't translate on the dub i don't know but i will say that uh it doesn't really matter like uh, you know if i had to sit through and and uh, chart all the motivations of all the characters. It would all be very basic stuff. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not a deep film, but uh, it manages to, despite being filled with caricatures a lot. You know that the guys running the the school that Jackie Chan is in are horrible jokes, and a lot of the villains are like just dumb. And you know, there's a lot here to pull apart in those ways. It's entertaining, man. It's entertaining from beginning to end, and I find myself just like sucked in and wanting to know what's going to happen even though there's almost no surprises like you know as soon as he sees the cat fighting the snake he's going to do (laughs) cat stuff and that that cat stuff is going to surprise the guy or you know like what the reveal is going to be even the big trick with the tea right like as soon as the guy poisons the tea you're like uh he's just going to switch it out for other tea like that's <laughs> you know it, all of it is kind of in a sense predictable but none of it is any less fun for that and i really appreciate that about the film yeah knowing where things are going doesn't necessarily right uh, yes remove your enjoyment of it because because there's a reason that these story these kind of um structures are so popular that you you see him you know build and become more confident in himself build in his skills build in his confidence and then at the end you get to see okay how far has he come along? Put him up against the big baddie, the person who has been unbeatable, the ultimate badass, and can he overcome that difficulty? And of course, using his creativity is what he's able to do at the end. And I like that. I also the idea that um, there comes a point where his martial arts skills are better than his own masters. Like the, the, what I should say is the master at the school in which he works, not his own masters necessarily. Though there is a suggestion that it might be better than his as well. But that part where his master goes to the um, competing kung fu school to uh, to fight their kind of the their badass guy gets his ass kicked by him and then Jackie Chan steps in. That's like the ultimate moment of this movie where it's just like, "Oh, he's ma- he's he's reached that point. He is now as good of a fighter as, you know, uh, the people who were training in the place that he was getting his ass kicked every day." And I think it's a really cool kind of transition of that character. Um I want to talk about that structure though. That we've already talked about it a little bit, that idea of Jackie Chan as being a well-meaning kind of mischievous young man. He he, he is 
kicked around. Maybe in some of these movies he already has some martial arts skill, but he doesn't have the discipline or hasn't been trained enough to to be kind of superior at it. And then he runs into someone, particularly a character very much like Simon Yoon's character in this movie. Um, I, I described it, you know, also as like a Mr. Miyagi type character, but in this case, like the Sam Seed beggar character who Simon Yoon himself would play in in like five other movies before his death in 1979, actually just the year after this. Um, what do you think is, is the kind of the main appeal of that? The idea of seeing someone with zero skill kind of growing into a martial arts master. It is something in a similar form to like the 36 Chamber of Shaolin where you see him go through piece by piece building that skill up. But that movie is really all about the training sequences while this movie is all about kind of getting to that, those training sequences so you can get to the fights after them. Well, in these movies, especially the ones with Simon Yun, it feels as if it's an anti-establishment film. Yes. Mm. It's always about some smelly dude in the woods, right? Or some guy who everyone thinks isn't worth caring about or some secret style that everyone, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in, in the English dub, there's no suggestion that the snake, the snake, what? That the eagle's claw is an, an official established thing. But if you pay attention, you know this. The guy we see doing snake, snake fist, is a, is a beggar, and the the eagle's claw people, they all look rich and powerful. You know what I mean? So the there's a class suggestion here that may or may not be explicit, but at least is like under the surface a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, the other difference too with the with the chambers, uh, 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 thirty. Six chambers of Shaolin, you know, that is that whole idea of like um, taking secret knowledge and bringing it to the people. Yes, you know, it's it's absolutely. very much an egalitarian film. This is not that, right? This is That's more right. the dreams of the. Uh, it, it's it's less about fixing the system and more about a uh, piece of the pie in a sense. Like if you are imagining you're identifying with the idiot who's washing the floor who can't get anyone to train him for real if that's the person that you are connecting with and then it turns out he's actually better than everyone else that's more of like an individualist underdog story sure uh, and it appeals in different ways but i think there's something there as opposed to like what's our other option here doug that we tend to see someone who's already the best there is continue to be the best that's really i mean don't be wrong i've watched those movies and those movies can be fun i mean those are, are bruce they... lee movies though right i mean right. bruce lee always exactly. starts off as the be biggest badass at the beginning of the movie but i but again this is my question though how many of those and i could be wrong there are people who are far better experts than i am who could probably answer this but in my mind once bruce lee has done it how much longer is that plot even interesting with other people like also, I, those movies, those Bruce Lee movies, tend to have a lot of nationalism in them, right? right so it's right, it's right. it's less it's less telling the the cohesive story and more about hey, you know, people have 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 collectively thought of us as being weak for so long. Here's someone to show that that we are strong. Yeah, right. And it's so it isn't just about the individual, but I but I think even as an individual narrative, like I don't really believe when I've seen other people try to do Bruce Lee. I don't believe them, right? Like that's the problem with with the post Bruce Lee era is that the when people just try to be Bruce Lee, it, it often isn't very compelling for me at least. No, I agree with that, and in fact, that's you know that's one of the themes of what we've been talking about so far. Uh, you know, and even someone like Jimmy Wang Yu, whose career was obviously strongly influenced by Bruce Lee, and we've seen him in a Jackie Chan movie up to this point. You know, he still had to find his own niche. He wasn't right. exactly like Bruce Lee. That kind of stoicism. You know, badass stoicism, that's a hard thing to pull off. And it definitely, whether we agree or not that 
that Loway was exclusively trying to turn Jackie Chan into the next Bruce Lee. The we we can certainly say that the movies that we've seen so far have not played to his strengths like this one has. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Simon Yoon, uh, who plays um, the Pai Cheng Tin in this movie. Basically, the 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 dirty beggar <laughs> who is also a kung fu master that became sort of his trademark role, particularly in Drunken Master, which we'll get to on the next episode. What did you think of him in this movie? Now, it's it's a kind of a it's I mean it's a really fun performance because it kind of has that comical edge, but it's also he has to do a lot of physical activity for a man in his late 60s, though he's also doubled by his own son and all the acrobatic stuff that he has to do. What did you think of his performance in the film? I mean, the parts that have to be compelling aren't the the acrobatic parts, right? You can kind of tell that someone else is doing that. Uh, it's more when he's being the, the uh, sort of snappy, um, funny old man sure. making fun of all these people who want to murder him. You know what I mean? Like he spends as much time being mocking as he does actually fighting. Exactly. L- love it. It's so good. And, and you really believe it that – Part of the reason people can't just take him out or just murder him is that he's smarter than them. He might not be the toughest anymore because of his age. He might not have all the skills he needs to defeat the Eagle Claw. But, you know, he's a scrappy old man. He's going to get by. He's going to find a way to survive. He really embodies that for me and is, for me, like the, you know, the the archetype of that character. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it's both kind of, it's fun, but it's also really sad, the fact that he would go and do this movie in Drunken Master. He would be recognized as this kind of figure. This would be kind of an iconic role. He'd do like Story of Drunken Master, Dance of the Drunk Mantis, basically movies where he did exactly the same sort of thing and then died a year later right at the point where, you know, he'd, he'd been an actor for basically his entire career. Um, but now he's finally getting all the recognition and then dies a year later at the age of 66. But it's uh, at the very least when, when people think of him and uh, the kind of roles he played – they they probably think of this role and the, these kind of roles first. I I one of the things that's kind of strange about this movie is compared to Drunken Master is like Jackie Chan is an incredibly sympathetic character here. He isn't cocky, you know. He really is. In fact, he's kind of presented as being a little um, dull, right? And people don't think he's very smart, and he doesn't act very smart and very emotional even. So he basically saves this master's life a few times and really helps him out. And then when they have to get to the martial arts training, the master, as in all of these movies, has to kind of treat him like garbage and beat the hell out of him a lot. And it is incredibly unsympathetic. And I still find that really funny. But I think it works better in the formula of Drunken Master where it's just like, oh, this cocky kid needs to be shown a little respect. In this movie, he already has a ton of respect and even tells the kid, don't call me master, call me by my name. And still, when it comes to training time, it's, oh, you know, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. I'm going to crush your foot. I'm going to knock you on the ground, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's almost like we the, the, we don't really believe that that our hero is training unless it's embarrassing in some way. But I, but I guess that's <laughs> partly because we want to believe that it's hard, that they're yeah. putting some sort of work in, you know. I was going to ask, do you have a favorite training uh, method from this film? We'll, we'll be seeing a lot of training in the next few films that we're going to be covering. I always find that the grabbing of the eggs is a particularly interesting one. Um, you know, I don't – I'll be honest. I don't remember Yeah. enough to know. Like th- th- that, that I w- If I was going to say anything as a criticism of the film, it's just clear that – to me at least, that that montage is not as essential as it... Like I, I find a lot more 
interesting about the sequence when Jackie Chan is creating his own martial arts style because right. some of the stuff he does, I'm like, that's not what the cat did. You know, like he's <laughs> he's really being creative yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to create it himself. I found that more interesting than the training stuff we see him doing in this. I do like that idea, and it's something we've seen in some of the films that we've covered so far, that you could learn Kung Fu from a guide and be a martial arts master just from like written instruction as opposed to someone showing you how to do it. And the part with the kind of dance steps that have been written on the floor is, I think, one of the really memorable parts about this movie. I mean, certainly not based in any sort of reality whatsoever, but just this recognizable thing. It's like Jackie Chan sees the words on the wall saying you should do this to be better at martial arts. And then he's like confused and then he goes outside and he's like, oh, I just need to follow these steps and then I can do it. But I'm glad that the movie also includes, I'll also bring your own creativity to it if you want to right. be really yes. amazing. Yes, 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 yes. Liam, did you have a favorite fight in Snake in the Eagle's Shadow? I will say this has a lot of fights, so it's kind of hard to say. But I, yeah. I do, I did actually like, even though it's not that important, I actually thought the fight between his old master and the and the people at the other school was pretty good and the fight where the snake or not the snake the eagle claw uh masters trying to prove to him that he also knows the yes. snake fist that um, was so fun because it's such a classic jackie chan of like he just keeps not giving up like he's clearly defeated but he's like but then i'll do this you know and like he's, like he's gonna win <laughs> i love that i everything about that was fun and and a good time and then of course the penalt or the, the climax fight it maybe isn't the best per se but actually see him try to utilize all these weird kitty things it's yeah. just fun to me especially the reveal i something about this that i'm sure that you love that we should talk about a little bit is the fake priest the man yes. who's been walking around pretending to be a priest Wait, but why he's would actually I love a russian fighter <laughs> ah, because he's guys so full of shit he just keeps talking about all this jesus stuff and then he's secretly <laughs> but by the way i love the assumption in the film that like you know he's not a real priest because he's a russian fighter <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's Russian? Oh, we thought he was some other kind of uh, interloping white man. Um, <laughs> but uh, but then when he's fighting that guy, the ball grab is so good. Yes. Oh, my God. I've seen that video or, like, or an animated gif of that end of that fight many times on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's some really great fights in this. Um, I mentioned already the one versus Tina Wong who basically – so one of the really funny things about this movie is that Jackie Chan works at a martial arts school, at a kung fu school – and what will come? What will happen is that someone from another school will come and challenge their teachers or their master or whatever. And if they win, then all the students will be like, "What the fuck are we doing here? Let's go to the other school. They're obviously much better." And that's how you kind of like get students is by beating up the people at the other schools. And uh, what we have in this movie is Jackie Chan, the master at the school that he works at, even though the, this master um, is unwilling to teach Jackie that that he comes back from a tournament that he was judging. And then has to go to the other school to fight the person who won that tournament. Like you, like you were saying a moment ago, that fight is really good. And then Jackie steps in. And I think that that might be like the, if you were looking for a turning point for Jackie Chan as a character, Jackie Chan as a performer, that's it. Because he can finally show off everything that he's learned up to this point. There's a little bit of humor in it, but it's mostly pretty serious because he is there and is impressing everybody. Everyone around thinks he's nobody, but then he comes out and just shows that that he is uh, not only good, but better than the person who won this competition. It's a really fun fight um, and, and a pretty memorable one. And then we have that one versus Ray Horan, who you, uh, you were just mentioning. Now, 
we see Ray in a lot of movies of this time period, specifically seasonal pictures films. He's in Game of Death 2, uh, a.k.a. Tower of Death. Uh, and I like that that one brings in a weapon as well. And it, it, yeah, you already mentioned that that ending. It's it's fun that in the second half of this movie you see Jackie fight in different ways because this 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 fight is a little bit more comical and he's showing off some of those skills that we've already seen him learn up to this point. But then it's his work against Huang Zheng Li at the very end where you really see, as you were saying, uh, a lot of that inspiration from the cat, even though, again, that, that's very comical when it brings in the noises and him kind of slashing his claws at him and things like that. Um, have you? Do you have any familiarity with Huang Zheng Li as a performer? I don't know, Doug. I, I don't think so. I mean, he's in. You'll, you'll, we'll see him again as the villain in Drunken Master, which is probably his most famous role. I've seen him in, in probably a dozen movies, and he is like... He's considered sort of one of those ultimate badass type guys sure, of this time yeah. period. Um, he was he's from uh, South Korea. He trained the military, I believe, in martial arts. Um, it, it, he's kind of known as Thunderleg because of his kicks, which are really impressive in this movie as well. Though yeah, maybe not as true. accurate as he would have liked, as we'll talk about in just a second. But a really, really impressive performer. Um, retired, I think, like at this point, like something like 20 years ago, but still pops up every now and then, even though he's in his, his late seventies, his vibe is very intimidating. Just very well, like, ugh. what's great about him as a character is even in these movies, which have a lot of comedy, he's in here and he's totally a hundred percent serious. Right. And it's like, even, even, okay. When you, when you get to, when you get to the point where you're fighting Huang Zheng Li, it's okay. I got to stop fucking around because I got to take this serious. Cause otherwise he's going to murder me. Cause that is his, his vibe. He will just kill anyone that he runs into. He's even convinced the, the, the cook to be a bad guy in this movie. <laughs> I also, like you said, there isn't a lot of explanation. He's the Eagle Claw guy. Well, I'm, I'm the Eagle Claw guy. I have to kill everybody who, who practices this other style of martial arts. That's just going to be my point in life is just murdering all these people. Um, the reason I, I made that comment about whether his accuracy was on point is that in this movie, uh, we feature some of Jackie Chan's most notable injuries and maybe one of the more visible. So in that final fight, there's a comment that Huang Zheng Li's character makes about is going to kick Jackie Chan's tooth out or teeth out. And then in the fight, he does kick his tooth out. And then Jackie has to fight the rest of the final fight with uh, a visible tooth missing. Uh, we're going to see a lot of Jackie Chan injuries uh, as we complete uh, this project, Liam, what did you think of that particular one? Uh, I didn't even know that that factoid. Uh, it, <laughs> I just thought it was funny, and um, and it, with the to me one of the funniest parts about it is the incredulity with which Jackie Chan's character when he says it, he's like, "What? Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> I like that apparently that was just a line. Like that was he was going to say it anyway, and it works perfectly into the fact that Jackie Chan does get his tooth kicked out and it's visibly kicked out for the rest of the fight. But the fact is he says it and then fucking kicks his tooth out for real. <laughs> it's my it is my second favorite sort of uh, uh line in the movie. My first being Jackie Chan's about the poisonous snake and grabbing the snake. I thought that was very good as well. <laughs> uh and Jackie Chan also got sliced by one of the swords that Roy Horan was uh was uh was wielding in their fight together. Um, yeah, I said Ray, I think, earlier. Roy Horan, of course. Unfortunately, two of the more visible actors in this film passed away just very recently, including Roy Horan, who passed away on October 12th of 2021. Dean Sheck, Liam, we'll see him, and we actually have, have seen him before, but we'll see him a lot in upcoming episodes. He plays the uh, 
the kind of mischievous student running the Kung Fu school who was like putting the powder on his foot to make, you know, basically the right. complete yeah, asshole yeah, 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 yeah. in this movie. Uh, he, he played that kind of comical characters in a lot of the martial arts films of this time period. And we're going to see him a lot in, uh, in the next decade or so. But yeah, he passed away on the 20th of September, 2021. A lot of these martial arts legends are sort of passing away at this point as they get into their uh, late sixties and seventies. Um, but uh, great performers. Dean Sheck played a lot of comedic roles, very broad, comedic performer and Roy Huron is always noticeable because he's one of the few you know Caucasian actors that you see in a lot of these movies and also a, a fine martial artist on his own right and I guess my understanding is that he started to work for seasonal films in the 80s helped expand their work into the west at this point Liam we know a lot about Jackie Chan's injuries when Rumble in the Bronx broke in the mid 90s part of the marketing campaign was look at all the injuries Jackie Chan already has do you worry sometimes that they have caught up with him to such an extent at this point that his like life is a constant stream of pain? I mean, I didn't before you said that, but now I do. Um... So if, the reason I bring this up, Liam, is that a few years ago, Donnie Yen came to Toronto. There was a screening of one of his movies, and I had, and there was a meet and greet afterwards, and I had some friends who went and saw him, and one of the things he said is that his he is in constant pain from the injuries that he has had from the movies that he's made up to this point. And, I mean, Donnie Yen has done a lot of incredible things, and still does. He's still very physical in a lot of his uh, films, but, I mean, Jackie Chan... He's known for all of his injuries. I wonder sometimes about not only just like the physical effects and how much pain he's in, but also like the the kind of damage that he may have done to his brain up and all this point. I'm you know, I'm not here to speculate on anyone's life, sure. but it you know, it is possible to think like I wonder if they use painkillers to some extent mm-hmm. or to what extent they have to be in therapy, you know, physical therapy, uh let alone therapy like uh, you know, some of the things that have happened to Jackie Chan, I'm like I would have PTSD. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, right. I, I, I don't know. The fact, I mean, you know, we've we talked about this when we started this show, that there have been not huge, but some minor controversies with Jackie Chan in the last few years, you know? Yeah, pretty, pretty significant ones, really. Yeah, well, let's put it this way, though. Considering the sorts of things that have happened to him and the possibilities he could have, like, th- th- let's think about it like this. How many, you're a wrestling fan, how mm-hmm. many wrestlers got hurt so bad that they developed uh, addiction issues because of those injuries, right? I mean, a massive, a huge, massive amount. Uh, and and the, 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 we're, we're at this point, again, still just talking about physical injuries and then concussions is what I'm also yes. thinking of. Yes, right? yeah. Yeah, but, So that's what I'm saying. Like People's lives have been ruined because they did physical yeah. things. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Jackie Chan, though he's had some big controversies, th- that none of them have been like, lost his head and murdered someone or uh you know even just like in public berating people you know what i mean like there's just so many ways that when someone has head injuries as well as uh other issues like it it just based upon the evidence we have you know he's a dude who maybe has some backwards ideas and stuff but i don't know that he has a substance abuse problem or at least if he does you know, it's it's under control in his daily life because we don't hear the sorts of stories that we do hear about other people who right. are struggling with physical pain. And, and you know, and hopefully people don't hear any judgment in that. I'm straight up saying, like, it would be understandable if he did. You know what I mean? Because of the sorts of injuries he's had, because of the pain he's been in in order to make movies, you know, especially, like in order to entertain people. Part of the reason that he was pushed so hard in the 90s was the idea that, oh, here is a martial arts guy Here's a kung fu star who does his own stunts, and that 
And you have to understand that in 1994, the guy was already in his 40s, right? Right. So exactly. Now suddenly he's a he's he's a uh, he broke through in the West and has to keep doing this. When any reasonable person would be like, oh yeah, I can do my you know physically impressive stuff. I can do all the fights with all the different props and things. But like, if something really dangerous has to be done. It's it's so funny. In retrospect, I'm like, why did we make them do all those terrible things for no reason? There are stuntmen who would still do dangerous stuff. It's their job to do it. Um, I think about, I mean, well, even on so like something like Rumble in the Bronx where he breaks his ankle and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, even in later stuff when he started doing a little more like wire support for stuff, sure. there are people who are like, ah, he's selling out. I'm like, he's an old man. He's like, an old man. The, the, most most people his age, are, I mean, unless we're talking about Tom Cruise, who I swear wants to die on set, uh, most old actors are not like, yeah, I'll do it. Just put a wire on me. You know right. what I mean? Like most people are like, I put a wire on Tom, on Joseph over there. You know, find my stunt guy, put a wire on him. I'm not doing nothing. So like, <laughs> you know, the, the fact that there were actual people who called themselves fans who got upset when he stopped throwing himself through plate glass windows and things. It's like, let the man age. Let him yeah. be a human being, please. I mean, the fact is a lot of those more recent movies are not as good. At least that's my understanding. I haven't seen a lot of his more recent films, but I mean – you can't expect them to be like this, even if, if he was still doing every stunt and doing dangerous stunts. The man is in his 60s, right? I mean, you got to let the guy age like an, an actual human being, especially with the uh, culmination of a lot of these injuries. Moving on from the horrific uh, pain that Jackie Chan lives every moment of his life in to into something even more pleasant, Liam. Animal abuse, one of our favorite things to talk about <laughs> on uh, a variety of our podcasts. There is a part in this movie, it's kind of infamous, where Jackie Chan learns how to battle snake fist style by uh, by watching a cat fight a rattlesnake. And they did that by tying a cat to a snake and having them fight it out on screen. Not something that would fly in the year 2022, and that is not one of those, oh, look what we've lost. It's probably a good thing that we don't see animals I mean, I swear, like I swear to God it was four different cats. Like, there's yes, no way. Uh, I, I, I think if you watch that scene closely, you see the body size of the cat shift over time because yes. you're watching... Uh, you're watching what I believe is only one snake fight four cats, you know? <laughs> and, and then there's a part, it looks like, it's like, oh, this isn't as interesting as we want it to be. Let's wrap the snake around the cat so it can just beat the living hell out of it. Uh, it's uh, it's not a pleasant thing to watch. Not for me, Liam. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I wish I was sensitive enough that it bummed me out as hard as some other things. For whatever reason... It, 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 I've seen worth. I, you know, I'm more bummed out by like the exploding frogs in stuff, or yeah, uh, I, I really don't dig. You, on... you, by, by the way, Liam, you got to mention that we're speaking specifically about the Holy Mountain when you talk about right, the exploding right. frogs, because otherwise people would be like, yes, "What true. movies is Liam watching?" Yes, no, that's fair. That's fair. In Holy Mountain, <laughs> I, for some reason, my brain wouldn't give me the name when I was saying that. Or, or you know, cockfighting. I for some yeah. reason, cockfighting has always bummed me out, and. It, it seems pretty clear to me watching multiple cats be murdered by a cobra is far more brutal than cockfighting that you catch on screen. Sure. There's just something about cockfighting that fucking bums me out, man. I can't do it. And let alone if a film has even a mildly realistic dogfight, I'm I'm gonna fast forward if I can. Like if I'm watching yeah. at home. I just Absolutely. I don't I don't think on it. For some reason this was a little less emotional for me, maybe because parts of it feel not real. The part that feels cruel is that it's a cobra, right? Like whatever he needs to learn 
he could have learned from a cat fighting any other snake that isn't as poisonous as a cobra. Like that's the point that I'm like, well, this isn't fair. Like, I, I, you know, like, uh, like, like if it was a not poisonous snake, then I'm like, oh, this is this is kind of like watching an MMA fight. This is fair. I'm into this. Right, fair enough. But this, but this is a, you know, how does the cat win? Like at the end when he's petting the cat, like, oh, good job. I'm like, there's no fucking way, man. He got bit multiple times by a cobra. That's your ex cat. That's your former cat. Like, there's just not a possibility. I just like the idea that the movie set up. It's like, my only friend is this cat. I love you so much, cat. Oh, he's fighting a snake. I'll just sit back and watch and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> Jump in there and help that kitty out. <laughs> it's, it is. It, I get people, why people would be very bummed on it. And, uh, and it is it it is one hundred percent unnecessary and cruel. Like everything they get out of that scene, they could have gotten with special effects. There's nothing they needed to do that for, really. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely, hundred percent. And the reason that Liam has cockfighting on the brain is that after we finish the recording of this episode, we're recording an episode about a movie that has a lot of cockfighting in it. <laughs> once True. again, <laughs> but I was also I I mean to be fair, I was also thinking of uh, what is considered a classic exploitation film, Cockfighter. Sure. That's right. And I've I've I you know I had a chance to see it on. 35 millimeter and i just was like uh, i don't want to watch cockfighting and i just walked out and i kind of regret that because I, I i'm curious about the movie but even if i'm watching it at home i'm probably going to fast forward the cockfighting scenes guys like i just something about it bums me out real hard it's also really silly you know what i mean yeah. the idea that people would would crowd into a room to anyway we'll t- we're, we are going to be talking about that in just a little bit so i'll put that off for now liam i did want to talk a little bit about the soundtrack to this movie which is quite something very memorable um a lot of electronic music a lot of synthesizer a real interesting mix sometimes the soundtracks to a lot of these martial arts movies which are pulled from uh, a lot of different places they tend to be kind of very one of the things that they're best at is kind of not being memorable or if they're memorable it's because you recognize where they've been taken from there's a lot of music in this that i didn't recognize but i actually thought was pretty uh pretty good what did you think of the soundtrack to this movie yeah it, it's i think it's a little off-putting at times because you don't expect it sure but i do think it, but i do think it works you know what i mean it's 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 more just that i didn't there's some weird like synthy parts there's there's just stuff that i wasn't expecting in a movie set at this time from this year but it's very fun and i liked it a lot there's this piece of music called oxygen part two by jean-michel Jarre, which is like a, an electronic piece that plays it's i think it plays near the beginning but certainly it plays during the final fight at the end and it's super cool but you're right it is a little jarring to to hear this kind of hip kind of almost disco-ish synth music playing against the martial arts movies of this time period. It also reminds me a little bit, actually, of the redone soundtrack to Shogun Assassin, which has all those, uh, actually, that we talked about on one of our other podcasts because that music was reused as well. Hey, maybe maybe the the mixture of synth music and martial arts isn't as weird as I just uh, suggested it might be. Um, Anything else you want to talk about this movie before we talk about Jackie Chan, Liam? Hmm. I guess I just want to suggest that uh, this is weird to say, but not all martial arts films film martial arts the same way. That's true. And that some of those movies that you think of as classic suffer from some of the problems of modern martial arts films where they're edited too tightly. They're, they don't have enough shots to really get the picture. Uh, what, what they're trying to show you is a little confused. Like they don't really have the geography of the situation laid out well. Uh, and it's something that we don't talk about as much because a lot of 
Jackie Chan movies that we've watched are pretty good at this, even though sure. they're not as I would say amazing as actually that that's to me more than the modern context or the humor. What a lot of later Jackie Chan films get is we need to really show what's happening. Like right. we need a we need a really good shot so you really see what's happening. This movie it's not perfect, but they do it more than you would think. There's a few shots where it's like Oh, you really pulled back and really got that, and that's not unique. There are other classic martial arts films that do that, but uh, but it's less common than you would like. It's it's not like oh, every movie that I see from this era, we're gonna get great editing or great shots of what's happening. Uh, I think there was a lot of really quality camera work in this in this movie uh, that makes it stand out a little bit from some of the uh, of its contemporaries. Yeah, you can tell there's a little bit more energy in yes, the uh, yes. in, in the camera work in it and it and it matches up with a lot of the fighting as well. Yeah, I mean we, there's there's a reason that Yun Wu Ping is going to be such a kind of uh, legendary director going forward and this is just really the start of his career. We'll uh, we'll be talking more about him in future episodes including on our very next one. Let's talk about Jackie Chan, the martial arts performer in this film. We've talked about on several of our episodes about how close are we getting, Liam, to the Jackie Chan that we know and love. The kind of um, cliche version of Jackie Chan. The lovable loser. That might be too strong of a word. But at least someone who, um, uh, as we talked about with the Drunken Master performance, is maybe a little cocky, but certainly isn't... um, isn't a martial arts expert at the beginning, has to go through a lot of struggle. In in some movies, he loses a, someone that he's close to or someone is put in danger. He has to uh, find discipline and find creativity and, and br- bring himself to be the martial arts master that he should be. And then at the end, he has to fight with all the skills that he's learned. Yeah. How close in this movie are we to the classic Jackie Chan character? I would say very close. Uh, yeah. He's not as funny. I'd no. say that they they still figuring out where There's the a lot humor, of running running away and crying in this. In this yeah, movie. yeah. They, they they haven't figured out quite where the humor is. I will say, you know, uh, he said that a lot of his later performances are more influenced by like a Buster Keaton, by like sure. a silent film humor, like care, you know, like a like a a clown sort of performance. That is not quite here as much as it will be later, but. That's not a huge criticism. It's still that vibe of entertainment. He's still in the same realm. I would just say he hasn't explored it enough yet to find some of the... There's a couple of jokes he does a lot in in movies that aren't here yet, but right. like you can see that he's heading in that direction. In, in my opinion, that he's heading in that direction. Yeah, and I think there's, there's going to be a lot of kind of testing the waters in terms of what people will... will Except in terms of those levels of humor going forward. One of the things that I remember from a lot of late 70s, early 80s martial arts movies that there's a lot of references to Popeye in those movies. We'll see them. I think maybe there's even one in Drunken Master where you like you'll hear the Popeye music and and someone will f- suddenly you know gain the strength to do something. That kind of stuff is a little too broad for my own tastes, but uh, it does kind of give a sense of oh exactly how slapsticky he's willing to get. This movie doesn't have a lot of slapstick humor. There's a few things where it like falls on his ass and we're supposed to laugh at him and and laugh at his struggles a little bit. But for the most part, this movie is humorous but is played mostly straight. Uh, we're going to see, I think, the the next the next evolution of that when we see Drunken Master on our next episode. I agree. I think it's I think it's it is a humorous martial arts film, but it's not yet a full comedy the way I think some of his movies are because I think what he hasn't yet figured out is that a movie could be comedic and badass at the same time in equal measure. It almost feels like we have to make sure that we're not too silly because that will make it somehow less tough. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It almost feels like yeah, very much a kind of a testing of the waters before they throw themselves into things. Which of course, I imagine when they made Drunken Master, they didn't like this movie wasn't already a success. They must have made them in pretty close proximity. But there must have been a sense that oh, we have something here. Why do you think people? Love this movie so much. I mean, why did people at the time, you know, come out in droves to see it? What was the appeal? And why has it continued to be sort of this uh, legendary film? I mean, I think it has continued to be because of his legacy. I actually, as much as I like this movie, I think if he hadn't um, continued to make great work, it would not stand as tall. Or else I think a movie like Dreadnought, which I think is comparable to this movie, absolutely would still be huge. And it's, I mean, don't be wrong, it's getting a nice release and stuff, but that that's a that's a film that people had to be rediscovered. Yeah. I think this movie never had to be rediscovered because of who Jackie Chan is. On the other hand, I think at the time it was very successful because it does feel kind of unique. Again, I'm not an expert on every martial arts film that came out in 1978, but if you wanted to tell me that there wasn't a lot of things like this that didn't have Jackie Chan in them, I would believe you. I, I just my experience of later 70s uh, kung fu movies is that this sort of character is not that common, or at least not as successfully pulled off as it's being pulled off here but this movie also still delivers a lot of what you're wanting you know it's not completely out of left field that's what you always have to have is something new that still has the elements of what people want if you already like these kind of movies there's a lot of badassery here for you to like a lot of you know snake fist and eagle talon and all that shit for you to still be stoked on but then there's also a little something new i think if i i I really do think that if this movie was super cop <laughs> or whatever <laughs> it wouldn't work because people wouldn't even know what the fuck it was you know the the change in this sort of realm to make money usually needs to be a little incremental it's just like a lot of the the trends that we see in movies of this time period and particularly when it comes to kung fu movies like this movie would would create a thousand imitators and that would continue right we've already seen like a, all these bruce lee ripoffs we've seen ripoffs of jimmy wang yu we've seen ripoffs of uh, really, just anything that becomes popular, someone will make a dozen ripoffs, uh, and some of them are quite good at this time period. And 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 you know, some of them became iconic in their own right. But what's interesting is that once Jackie Chan gets into the '80s, the thing that that makes the next jump is production value, and that's something that no one else can really match up with, right? Right. When you're the biggest star in the world. You can make them more slick, and you can make the set pieces larger and larger. And at that point, people just couldn't compete anymore. Here, hey. Going out into the countryside and filming a bunch of martial arts fights with uh, with stunt performers, that's something that everyone could do. So they were just kind of copying the story and the humor and maybe not doing it as well. But uh, maybe we'll talk about some of those ripoffs in a future episode as well. Liam, if people want to check out more episodes of We Do Our Own Stunts, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can head on over to cinepunks.com. That's C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. There they can discover the latest episodes of this podcast as well as a bunch of other podcasts, some of which I'm on if they want to check out the flagship podcast Cinepunks or my horror podcast Horror Business. There's also podcasts like Twitch of the Death Nerve, uh, a cult film podcast, or Wine and Cheese, uh, an exploration of whiny music and cheesy movies. Uh, (laughs) And and also writing. Uh, You know, I'm still 
still recovering from my hand surgery, but I'm hoping once I have full use of my fingers, I can start writing again, and maybe there'll be something over there worth checking out uh, as well. Um, they can follow Cinepunks on social media, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. They can, of course, follow us on Twitter, uh, Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. Uh, and if they want to dive into our archive of old episodes, they should head on over to cinemasmorgasbord.com, where not only do we talk about Jackie Chan, we have our Steve Buscemi podcast, we have our Carol Kane podcast, we have our podcast exploring uh, genre festivals around the world, uh, and just a lot of other new interesting stuff going on over there. Uh, yeah, and of course, wherever they're listening to this episode, they should go ahead and rate us. You know, we're on iTunes, you can give us a rating there, but you can also rate us on Spotify, on Google, on all those things that we're on. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you can always leave us feedback on those various social media locations as well, or you can email us through the website at cinemasmorgasbord.com. You can follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules, that's R-U-L-Z, and I'm on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly, that's T-I-L-L-E-Y, and all of that is linked over at Cinemasmorgasbord website as well. Liam, on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts, the gravy train continues with one of Jackie's most beloved movies, and maybe the one most associated with him. It's 1978's Drunken Master. But for now, we need to take a little break. We need to rest up. We need to refine our skills. We're going to be back again very soon with another Jackie Chan classic. Good night, everyone. Night, night. <laughs>